You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. But I am a physiotherapist and this is episode 32 of the Always Moto Podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan. Welcome to the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths, the deep depths of the clinic, throwing strapping tape everywhere and anywhere it will stick. As always on this show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we'll be talking about World Supercross Championship from Cardiff. It was round one over there. A lot happened from that World Supercross event. Lots to talk about. There was a lot of chatter on social this week about it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between as it is on social. Uh, It can be a bit of a depth of of humanity on there. But anyway, um, I've been in touch with a few of the teams and riders, and I've got some of their thoughts to share on the event later in the show. We've also had an interview with Grant Harland about his round one efforts with Club MX Yamaha, his prep for that short series that is only two rounds, and managing the flights and time zones in the series that he probably hasn't been used to. And as you'll hear in the interview, he hasn't actually left the US before, which is interesting. So it's something all new to Grant, uh, first time using his passport, which is awesome. So we also find out a little bit about his plans for 2023. So plenty of insider insight going into this show. I'm pretty excited about this one. A bit of effort's gone into this. So hopefully you guys and girls enjoy the show. We also have some new segments and some production updates that you will hopefully hear throughout this. And hopefully they go smoothly. And I hope you guys and girls enjoy the changes and notice that we're putting in a bit of effort into this uh, to make it a bit better overall in, in terms of entertainment and just everything that goes into this show to make it as good as it can be. As always, this show will be brought to you by, well, it's still me. Um, we are trying to make changes to that in this near future. But it's always, the show is brought to you by me, Always Moto. I bring you the show. I need your support to keep it going. We have some merch available to help support the show. We need you to buy that merch, people. Get, a, get in touch with us. We have Always Moto t-shirts available. The shirts are $25 plus postage and handling, and that's in Australian dollars. So support the show and get an awesome t-shirt to rock at the races. Email us at alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line. Send the size you want. And we'll be in touch regarding payment via PayPal and a delivery point. 
So let's jump into the chatter about World Supercross Championship. It finally kicked off in Cardiff, Wales. Uh, round one last weekend. Uh, it was fantastic to finally see this get going and get off the ground. The guys over there at that uh, crew have put in a lot of effort to get this to where they have. Unfortunately, it hasn't probably worked out as greatly as they'd hoped in terms of this initial season being a lot shorter than they probably initially planned. But it's going finally, and that's the great thing. Personally, I love the fact that we've just got more races. It's also meaning more teams, more rides, and more jobs for the industry in terms of all the mechanics, crew, you know, people like myself in terms of trainers and, and you know, physios to help out with it all. It all means more jobs. It all means some more money into our industry, which is just fantastic in general. So I don't care what everybody else is saying about all the rest of it stuff because I've got stuff to say about the rest of it too. But in terms of the fact that there's a World Supercross Championship, couldn't be happier. Don't care who's really doing it. Don't really care where it's being run. Um, I'm just glad that we've got more events and more places for these guys to race at, compete at, and people to, to have you know support crews and all that sort of stuff that goes along with it. So I think it's fantastic. On the results side of things, I've got to say that World Supercross cha- uh, Championship class, Eli Tomic, Tomac, eh, Tomic, Eli Tomac just continues to prove that he is the man in 2022. And not surprising, really. Now, you know, Supercross, AMA Supercross champ, AMA Motocross champ, um, MX of Nations champ, wins the opening round of World Supercross um, with a clean sweep of the night. Um, It was just an awesome display from a guy who's on the top of his game at present. And I would expect no less when he is in his next race at uh, Bercy. He's not doing round two. Uh, he's only a wild card for that Cardiff round, so he can't actually do round two. But he dominated. It's plain and simple. Was pretty surprised by the um, results that came from Vince Freeze. Um, not massively surprised, but surprised all the same. Uh, he obviously in the 450 class there um, did quite well, especially that heat race, and you know held solid solid races um, for him to where he finished. It was it was pretty impressive. Um, Pretty bummed about the uh, some of the other um, guys for, for well for the other guys really um, Chad Reed Josh Grant Justin Starling um, injuries for these guys and we'll cover more of those um, aspects when we get to the emergency department segment later in the show but yeah just a bit bummed on how that all went especially things as the you know mechanicals that sent out two of them that was just you know freak of nature sort of things which sucks really. Kenny, um, Ken Roxon with his Super Bowl win, kind of expect that from Kenny. He's pretty good at that single lap pace um, and to jump that quad um, as well, make that lap just you know pretty neat and tidy. He did a nice job there. I do have to wonder if his night would be a hell of a lot different if he doesn't crash in that first race. Um, and, you know, what he was in the lead, he looked like he had it sort of not covered, but he looked like he was at least keeping the distance to, to Eli. Whether Eli had something for him in that last couple of laps, we won't know, but he never got the chance to see it. But I do wonder if Kenny doesn't lose that lose that back end there or front end as he went up that face of that jump on the corner. Um, you know, would, would he have at least put on a bit more of a show with Eli and given him more of a challenge? Because Eli wasn't really touched at all in those next few races there at all. But it was good that he got that. Kenny gets the extra championship point there from that Super Bowl win, which is a new feature in this series, and it's only for that World Supercross uh, class. Now, just on the Super Bowl while we're there, I've got to say, the Super Bowl idea is great, right? I love the fact that you can get the single guy out on the track and it's all about them. 
and you, you know from a spectator point of view you get to see just their lines just their technique in isolation no other noise to to distract right that's fantastic but from the from the fan point of view watching on tv and i don't know what they did in the stadium obviously i wasn't in Cardiff for this round it's a bit of a trek for us aussie guys um but the on tv side of things it was a bit hard to keep up with you had no idea what that guy's lap time was and compared to the other te- uh, the lap times already going or already been, and you had no way to tell until they crossed the line a few seconds afterwards what position they got. Why can't we have a couple of different things on the TV screen? On one side, a column that basically has the guys that have com- they've gone already with their lap times listed next to it, and then across the bottom of the screen, kind of like the Formula 1 and MotoGP guys get, you know, the, the segment times where the boxes go in different colours to say whether they're faster in that segment, segment time than anybody else and, and, or if they're faster overall as it goes along too. So just some extra production things, guys. I, I think it would make the, that Super Bowl thing a lot more entertaining because I saw some comments online that people just felt it was a bit lame, you know, didn't know what was going on. It was hard to be, you know, engaged in because they really couldn't tell whether the lap was a good lap or a bad lap. Right? So... If we add those couple of bits to it, I think you'll get some more buy-in from the fans and it'll make it more exciting. It's already pretty good. You just need some some buy-in from the fans. And I think that those couple of bits with the with, you know the times on the screen of the guys that have already gone in order, as well as the segment times, would make a, a massive change for that you know, and, and help that along a lot. Moving into that SX2 class, holy shit, was it a busy night in that class. That Those races were stre- extremely short um but and and hectic to be honest um lots of different stuff going on guys up and down the field all over the place from race to race but i think overall um mitchell oldenburg missed a massive opportunity on the overall win there um that he won moto one uh, race one one race three but in race two i gotta say he should know better than the triple in traffic um that was an absolutely dumb idea he he should know better He, he should know have some spatial awareness of what's going on around him and that these guys in this in that early section of the race aren't necessarily going to triple and they're going to slow down on that section to make that tight turn. Um, him hitting the triple like he did was just a you know, recipe for disaster. So I think he missed out there. I think he threw that away. Lucky that he still ended up third overall. Well done to Shane McElrath, but I've got to say, you didn't see him getting the overall with a 4-3-5 race scores, but he ended up getting it which is pretty impressive. So just consistency on the night in that SX2 class really made the difference. Um, there was just such inconsistency from the other guys in that Manic format. Obviously, we had uh, Max Anstey getting a good result in race two, but he was not very good in the other other two. Um, and look, that's partly in part to this format. that It was just Manic. Um, the first, first two races were both under five minutes in total time, and the Super Final was under eight minutes. So, yes, as it combines over the three races, it's about a normal main event race that you would see in the AMA. But in this instance, it was just bedlam. They were just taking each other out. They were crashing. They were, they were going for it. Um, it wasn't really attracted to loud heaps of passing, it seemed. And there was that obviously that one follow the leader sort of section with that back forth, um, you know, section that had just the, from corner to corner. Um, so it didn't make for great racing in that class. It made for panicking i think and then obviously the short turnaround that was about four minutes um from race dropped like from race finish to to gate drop made it just 
flow through way too quick. I think they need to stretch that out a little bit and it might calm these guys down a bit more if they've got a bit more time between the races as well. Um, other good results uh, from an Aussie point of view, nice work for Mossy in that opening race with a podium. Um, he worked really well there behind Chris Blows and, and kudos to Chris Blows. He had another uh, consistent night and got second overall. Um, but for Mossy, I was a bit disappointed in that final race, the super final moto. He was up there and looked like he might get another podium. Um, but I feel like, and I could be wrong, this is just my opinion of it, I just feel like he sort of dropped anchor in that last race and just had nothing and, and just faded back. Unfortunately, he finished all the way back in 11th, um, and I think that meant he ended up with an actually 11th overall as well. So hopefully Mossy finds a bit more um, stamina or something or whatever it was that was concerning him at that in that final race, um, whether he just tightened up, you know, whether he got a bit nervous or something. Um, hopefully you can sort that out for for Melbourne and, and have a have a good showing there because he's going to have an interesting weekend. Obviously for Melbourne, he's going to be on a on a um, a Yamaha 450 in the Oz race Aussie Supercross race round on the Friday night, and he's going to be back on that Bud race in Kawasaki in the MX2 class on the Saturday night. So it could be an interesting weekend for Mossy. Now I'm curious um, if if anyone noticed across the the two racings. Um, if anybody else noticed in the World Supercross class when they were doing a siding lap, and I can't remember if it was the, it must have, yeah, siding lap was only done before the first moto. Um, so if anyone else noted the noticed the Honda rider, which I don't think was from, I don't think it was the um, uh, genuine Honda team. I think it was that other Nils Honda team rider. It was a bit hard to tell from the from the camera camera angle, but he went over the gate to start his siding lap but then stopped and dug out his trench, like his rut out of the gate there uh, with his foot as he went along to clear it out, which I believe is pretty much illegal, but I don't know if anybody else noticed that because nothing was mentioned, but it seemed pretty obvious to me that he was sitting there doing it because you could see him kicking that area uh, as he was sitting there um, on the broadcast quite obviously. So I wonder if anybody else noticed that. Um, anyone else got an opinion on it? Let me know. Send me a DM on uh, on Instagram. Always... Always Moto uh, is me. Um, and so, yeah, just send me something to see if you noticed that too because I did notice that and I thought that was a bit of a bit of a dodgy move by that guy. And I, I can't name him at this point because I couldn't quite tell who it was at that point. But, yeah, interesting thing there. Also wanted to hear everyone's thoughts um, on the metal ramp for the finish line. Now, this is something that the promoters have done previously when they were the Oz, X, Oz, Oz Open... Um, X Open, I'll get the name right eventually, just stuck on that tongue, <laughs> stuck in the tongue there. The X Open, they, they did the same thing there. They brought a, a steel ramp to the finish line and that's been because obviously they've got a freestyle show during this program uh, that they use that ramp for and they've also got a couple of other ramps that you would have noticed on the coverage right near the finish line down ramp there for different guys from that freestyle show. And, and look, obviously the freestylers need a smooth up ramp Let's take that aspect out of the race, please. Um, I don't like it, but let me know your thoughts. And again, send me a DM if you've got other thoughts um, via the Instagram there or the Always Moto page. But my thoughts are let's get rid of that. Um, don't have a metal ramp there. Make it a, a, a normal jump face. It's a race. It needs to rut up. It needs to have changing lines. It needs to force guys to, to, to move about. Um, they, they can't. There's nothing different about that jump face with, with a metal ramp. Interestingly enough, I did post about this. I'm not sure on Twitter during the race. I wasn't sure if um, if if the ramp was a good idea, and I was wondering what would happen if anyone had to roll it because it doesn't seem like there's a, a nice <laughs> nice shape to the backside of that thing. Funnily enough, then about I don't know 20 seconds after I posted that, Joey Savacci crashes right into the face of it, 
Um, it has to, you know, basically get up and go around, which I don't know how that would have been crashing onto that metal ramp versus a dirt jump. But anyway, that's another another issue for us. Um, but then Brayton had to, I'm pretty sure he had to roll it, but I, I couldn't quite tell if he ended up rolling it or not because he, he sort of disappeared off the side of the of the track and off the edge of the TV coverage, which wasn't fantastic. I would love to know what that was, but what what he did. But yeah, look, I, I just, I'm not a fan of that metal, metal ramp. Get rid of it, guys. Have the ramps in the between the lanes for the freestyle guys. Don't have it as part of the racetrack. It's it's a race, not a not a judge sport. Come on. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that commentary team. I've got a couple of couple of things I want to say here. And look, obviously, I'm in the media game here, doing some commentary, and I'm not a fantastic at it. I'm I'm new com- compared to some of these people doing this, so I blame that uh, my my presentation on the fact that I'm still learning and I'm getting some experience in it. But this commentary team that came back, obviously Ralph and Joe and Jeff, I wasn't a fan of them. When they commentated in the AMA, I felt they made a lot of glaring errors and I thought that they just didn't keep up with the action as well as they should do. And I don't think they did much better when they've come back now for the World Supercross. This format that they were obviously running in this su- in this series doesn't suit these guys for commentary. It's happening too quick. They don't have time to slow down and I don't feel that they can stay up to date with what's happening in the race as well as others should. I don't like the idea too that they brought in guys that they had got rid of from the AMA Supercross commentary a few years ago to then do this brand new series. I don't think it works with the new series vibe that they're looking for for World Supercross and I just didn't think it fit. And and obviously too, if you're listening through as closely as lots of people should be when the commentary is going on, just keep up to date with the race as the TV is going. There was some glaring errors that Ralph and Jeff came up with that just made me cringe and just have flashbacks to, you know, years of years gone past of, of AMA events and just going, are you watching the same race I'm watching? Because they had no idea a couple of times and it's embarrassing. And and look, I think I think a younger crew, maybe a brand new crew um, who's never had any experience or exposure would be a good idea to bring in here and just let them go and just run with that format. They don't have any preconceived ideas. If you're going to keep running this fast-paced format, you're going to need people that can stay on their toes. And I just don't think Ralph and Jeff are the best fit for this format at this point in their careers. Um, if I'm wrong, tell me. Um, send me a message. Send me a DM. Um, make me sound like an idiot on social media. I feel feel free for you to do that. I'm happy to have some hate on that if you don't agree. Um, just let me know your thoughts. But look, in overall sense, I'm just stoked we've got World Supercross and more races. Um, it seemed like the fans seemed to turn out well for it too. They reported 35,000 fans in the stadium, which seemed pretty cool. Um, it was kind of hard to tell from the coverage because the, the, the lighting up in that upper parts of the stadium wasn't fantastic, so you couldn't tell for seats. But they reported 35,000, which is an awesome first night. I am just super keen for it to hang around. Uh, I'm also keen for it to see what we'll get in 2023. I'm hoping that there'll be like 10 rounds in multiple countries uh, and that will make this into a legitimate World Championship Series. It's a little bit of a uh, World Championship Series this year. It's a pilot uh, pilot series, obviously, they're calling it. But uh, look, I'm stoked to see where this goes. I really hope it gets bigger and better for 2023 and I'm pretty sure it will. Um, right now, but look, I'm just stoked too that we're going to Melbourne next weekend, and and hopefully we can see some more race, some some cool racing, and and obviously the coverage of it on TV easily, which it was pretty well easy for us to to do, 
um, and just yeah, enjoy the event, really. Um, I, I don't really want to hear all the crap that goes along with it from last round. Obviously, the first one was a bit of a shit show in terms of a couple of aspects, the, but the racing itself was good. The fact we have a, have this series is good. Overall, I'm happy. I'm happy it's here, and I hope everybody else is too, because I don't want it to be shitted on, and you know, people make it disappear. Um, not that I think social media comments would make it disappear, but let's just not give them any reasons to to lose their enthusiasm for running this this championship. Um, on the TV coverage side of things, it was funny as an Aussie. Uh, it was funny for me. I got up early in the morning for the Cardiff round. I had to be up at about three thirty. Uh, I was at my parents' place and I had to try and find their Wi-Fi password because I forgot to do that the night before, couldn't find it. Went to download something on my mum's iPad because I couldn't get it on our TV because it wasn't a um, didn't wasn't allowed 7 Plus app to get downloaded on it for some reason. Didn't have my mum's password for the 7 Plus thing. F- finally figured it all out, got it watching it. But it was just a bit of a, fr- bit of a stuff around for me that morning. I probably should have been a bit more prepared. But the fact that it was there and on the 7 Plus um, was fantastic. I thought that was a great way of getting it out there. No subscription service for that needed. No payment for that needed. That was awesome. I hate the fact that everything you want to watch these days, you have to pay individually for. Um, It's just frustrating. You know, everything used to be just turn the TV on, find the channel where you went. But now you've got to have an app for everything and a payment for everything. That's sort of annoying. The fact it was on 7 Plus... Nice work, guys. I'm very happy with that. Thank you for that for the World Supercross, guys. Um, And hopefully everyone else uh, was able to watch it as well as we were. Um, Obviously, US guys, I saw some comments. You guys were having a bit of a a shit time trying to find it and had to watch, like, streams from YouTube. All I can say is sucked in. Um, Finally, uh, felt justified that I've been whinging about these things, trying to watch AMA for years now. And you guys finally had to feel some of my pain. So sucked in, it's, it's, it's going to get better, but at least for once you feel, understand what us Aussies have gone through for years trying to watch your different AMA Supercross and Motocross series at different times. Uh, obviously things are getting better in that aspect, but there's been painful years there that you know, we've been watching on shit YouTube streams from guys you know, passing it from their subscription onto the, the, their computers and stuff into YouTube and just lost quality and whatnot, and we've had to watch grainy footage for yonks. So... Sorry, but you had to go through that pain uh, once and for all, finally. (laughs) All right, guys and girls, that's enough of that initial chat about the World Supercross Series. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back with the emergency department list. Hey, guys, this is Grant Harlan, and this is the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. This is where we're going to get some of this production crew shit going on. Uh, Hopefully this works. Let's see what happens. the gory details and when they'll be back on track it's the list you really don't want to be on that's right this is the emergency department we have got the injury list we have got some increased production here we've got some show like segment intros i hope you guys liked it put a bit of time into that one it's still probably a bit shit but uh what can you do for free subscriptions here there and everywhere trying to get stuff without paying for it it's a low budget uh, effort here for the moment until we get some of these uh, sponsors we've been chatting to hopefully to come on board and help us out a bit further but let's jump into this emergency department list right now so uh, straight off the bat we're going to jump through um, the pipes motorsport group uh, justin starling has some sort of thumb injury uh, he got landed on in one of those um, heat races for the world supercross class 
looks like he's out for Melbourne. Um, and look, that's unfortunate. The team's going to have to try and find replacements. So um, we'll find out more. Justin hasn't been in touch and we haven't been able to get in touch with the Pipes Motorsport Group, but that's what we believe is happening at this stage. The CDR team we've been in touch with as well, just to see how Luke Clout is doing. He had that ugly crash off that on-off. He hit neutral apparently, and that just sent him over the bars into the next jump. Initial concerns were some serious were some serious pelvic issues, but it turns out he's been cleared from all that, which is great. He just has a bit of a groin injury, so hopefully that's only like a minor strain, and he can able to you know manage that throughout the night for the Melbourne round. The team has confirmed that he is actually going to be racing in the Aussie round on the Friday night and the World Supercross round on the Saturday night. So double duty for Luke with that little injury. We'll have to see if he's able to manage that through both nights. But at this stage, that's what the team's expecting him to be able to do. MDK Motorsports, what a terrible night for those guys. A couple of mechanical issues led to some big injuries. Um, Chad Reed is out. Right shoulder had surgery on it. Uh, and a left-hand fracture had surgery on it as well. This was um, yesterday, Thursday in Australia time, the 13th uh, of October that he had that done. He is out. He will likely be out for about probably somewhere to about 12 weeks uh, off the bike, so that means he is out for Melbourne. The team has said, but he will be in Melbourne for the event, hopefully to meet fans, hopefully to do some TV stuff. So we'll have to see what Chad can do at that point. I'm sure he's pretty sore today being one day post-op, but... Good to see that he got himself sorted out. I was just sucked that he wasn't able to, you know, compete in that event. Josh Grant also on that team um, had a chain break. Everyone's probably seen those photos going around on the socials. Straight into that next jump face, um, massive concussion for him. Uh, interestingly enough, the FIM has a slightly different concussion protocol than what the AMA guys have and are probably used to. The AMA has their impact test, which is an online test, as well as um, some doctor review prior to release back to to racing. The FIM has what they call a SCAT-5, which is more of a therapist-based assessment, similar sort of items, and they do do baselines for it and then can compare to it. They still have the same sort of recovery to ride program where it's a day by day um, advancement. In each stage, needs to take six. Uh, sorry, each, each day needs to take a, each stage needs to take a full day. I'll get that out eventually. A full day for each stage, and there are six stages, so it's a minimum six day return to ride program. But the team has indicated to me, despite that, and he could potentially be cleared for it. Uh, that Josh will not be travelling to Melbourne for this event. Then um, the team is therefore trying to find somebody to replace him um, and Chad to fill in for those guys for that second round. The Honda Genuine team, Dean Wilson had that bit of a you know incident with uh, one of the other riders there. Uh, his countryman, Jack Brunel, ended up with a landing heavily on his left shoulder, got an AC separation, only a minus, minor grading from what we've, we, we can tell. He's already up and about on the bike and we've checked in with his team manager, Yurev Konsky, and he confirms that he'll be in for Melbourne, so no issues there for Dino at this stage. Moto Concepts Racing, uh, Cole Seeley has reportedly got a hematoma on his arm from a crash during the day at Cardiff, but he was able to race all night, so he will also be in for Melbourne. One of the wild cards from Cardiff, Dylan Walsh, as some of you would have seen on the coverage, got his hand run over during the one of the races. Uh, we checked in with Dylan. He's confirmed there's been no injury there, so he got away with that one pretty easily. Well, pretty luckily, um, but a pretty 
look, for, for you know, an opening round of Supercross, that was pretty busy for injuries, but it's also busy for injuries considering there was only 44 riders for this World Championship event the way that they are doing this team's format, and we had seven of those 44 riders with potential injuries. So busy night in terms of the emergency department there. All right, let's jump over. Let's keep some chat going. It's just so heading into Melbourne this week, from a wild card point of view, we're going to see some Aussies lining up, which will be awesome. So we're going to have Brett Metcalf lining up, Nathan Crawford lining up, Kyle Webster lining up, and Reese Budd lining up. Now, interesting, when I spoke to the Honda Genuine team manager, Reeve Konsky, um, we were asking about you know if Dino was going to be able to race, and he, and we, he said yes, but obviously we said, well, okay, what's the plan B for this instance? We're hearing chatter that there's a fine system across all of these teams and this wasn't what we just sort of brought up just at that point but you know there's a re- they want to keep riders on track for this world supercross series so i wondered what the team would do if they had to fill in and Uribe made the very clear and obvious point that i hadn't thought of for, for his team at least he's obviously got an australian based team already um riding and tra- preparing for the australian supercross championship at this point in time so he would just pull one of the guys, and he mentioned that Kyle Webster would have been the guy that he'd pull into the team to compete for this second round if need be, and that would then find somebody else to do the wild card position. So that's easy for that team to do. Other teams is probably not so easy at this stage, and they might have to go to a bit of a, a prepared fill-in rider system where they have one for each class ready to go um, to fill in if they need be. Because we're hearing that there is a fine in place for these teams if they don't fill in the position uh, we're not sure exactly how much that is but one team we spoke to mentioned that it was enough for them that actually want to fill in so it's obviously a decent hit to the to the pocket um, but then in saying that too when we spoke to MDK they obviously have two riders out now they're trying to get any available top sort of 10 guy from the Australian Supercross series to fill in for them to so they don't get fined but they did mention that if they didn't do, if they couldn't get anybody in place because of all these riders have contracts already in place and it's hard to break some of those deals, you know, for one race, that they would just have to miss out and take that hit of the fine. So interesting that they haven't planned for that at this stage. They're obviously just expecting Chad and Josh to be A-OK and do two rounds. But as we say, injuries are part of Moto. Supercross struck hard at round one for MDK, unfortunately. And interesting too, um, that MDK aspect, when they said about using getting some of the Aussie guys in, obviously they were still looking for people and they said that we a few days before they find that out and they're hoping to do that before they fly out on Monday, their time, US time. But um, they weren't sure that would happen. So they did say that these guys that, would, that they were trying to get to fill in, they basically get to use all their own equipment. They just get a sticker kit put on that said MDK on it and earn some extra money. So... Just a case of getting some, you know, contracts and sponsors to allow these guys to get on it and they'll be in the World Supercross thing riding for MDK, which would be a pretty cool experience and good exposure for anyone listening that wants to do it that could be potentially, you know, a decent Supercross rider. Um, get in touch with MDK. And if you need, get in touch with me. I've got some contact details I can pass on. So, yeah, look, there's a, there's a bit to this series yet to come that we'll find out over the next year when they have a, a longer series and have to replace riders more often and whether teams have fill-ins and stuff. But this is the information we've got so far about where the teams are at and what they're trying to do um, to just make this next round as, you know, gate full as possible. 
All right, let's have a quick break here. We're going to just do another break before we jump into the new segment, Dave's Diatribe. Hi, this is Dylan Woodcock riding for All South CMH Stunt Flying Privateer Team, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Cheers, mate. All right, guys and girls, we're back. Let's jump into this new segment um it's dave's diatribe and if you don't know what a diatribe is you better listen to this this is dave's diatribe what's a diatribe a diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something so keep your head down you might be that's right you could be next the idea of this segment is that we're going to have a bit of a dig at something that we've seen heard or know about uh, and in this instance obviously the thing we're talking about this round this week is world supercross now, there's two things I want to have a bit of a dig at. And look, yes, it's, it's terrible that we're going that way, uh, but they were done very poorly and I would have expected these things to be a bit better organised. It's a mainstay. One of them's a mainstay aspect of every event and so surely they could have figured it out a bit better. And that's the podiums. Honestly, what the hell happened at those podium presentations? We had Joseph Allen, and look, no hate on Joseph Allen. He does a good job. He's a hype man, but he got that all ballsed up for this first round in Cardiff. We had the guys coming out in the wrong, getting announced in the wrong order. He got them to do champagne before they'd even got their trophies. Uh, it was just a bit embarrassing. you got to, guys, have got to get on top of that. Whether Joseph maybe wasn't listening to the guy in his ear telling him who to announce, um, whether they didn't have the results yet, and they were still trying to do the math, and he just jumped ahead and went for it. I don't know, but that should have been done a fuckload better, to be honest. Second thing we're going to have a dig at, the onboard cameras. Now, in MotoGP and in Formula One, where you're on a smooth asphalt track, it's very easy to have a camera sit on a bike or sit on a car and go at a speed and see clearly from that camera. When you're on a supercross track and you're hitting triples and whoops, and your bike's going up and down at a million miles an hour, and also the revs of that bike are coming on and off really hard and fast at times to hit these jumps, the camera technology clearly can't keep up. It was blurry as shit, guys, and it was actually making me sick. I can't watch a GoPro footage at the best of times, let alone that. Uh, That was horrible. Please clean it up, or please don't do it if you can't clean it up. Uh, It was just an ugly, ugly thing to watch. Um, but I think I do like the idea that it's going to happen, but you guys have got to get some better technology, maybe some rubber mounts to put on these cameras. Maybe the cameras, you know, talk to GoPro and get some better stabilization features. I don't know, but whatever you were doing, it wasn't working well, but I like the idea that in time we'll be able to jump onto, you know, your favorite rider, Joey Savacci and pick what, watch his line from his camera for the race. If you're on some of these, you know, TV subscription services that we will have in future. Now I know I just said I don't like subscription services, but it, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to deal with that and pay for it, which sucks. But anyway, but if they do have that, and you can pick from every bike, front and rear, and watch these races from there as a second or a third screen, and keep the main race on as well, I think that'd be pretty cool. But for the moment. It's blurry as shit and we can't have it and I can't take it. And if you keep trying to watch a whole lap on that, on that thing, I'm going to throw up and then I'm going to send the cleaning bill to WSX. That's where we're at on that side of things. So look, guys, please don't do it again. 
All right, that's enough of Dave's diatribe. You get the message. You get the idea. It's a bit of a, a bit of an attack. Um, we're going to have these segments come up each time we do a Always Moto podcast. So if you've got any ideas about what we should be having a diatribe on, send them through to Always Moto on Twitter or on Instagram, and we'll get that topic talked about. And if it's a really good one and it's not my passion point, we might even call you up and get you on. So. Send us some through some good ones, guys and girls, and we'll um, endeavor to make this uh, Dave's Diatribe segment a bit more interactive and even more um, diatribatic. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a word. I'll have to check that one. Anyway, all right, we're going to move on. Let's get straight into our interview with Grant Harlan from the Club MX Yamaha World Supercross team. All right, guys and girls, now on the Always Moto podcast, we've got one of the riders from the World Supercross. Uh, he's riding for Club MX Yamaha. It's the number 65 of Grant Harlan. Welcome to the show, Grant. How you doing? I'm doing well, mate. Um, how, was, how was the uh, whirlwind trip around the world at the moment? You're back from uh, Cardiff. I gather you're back in the States at the moment. Yeah, got back uh, Sunday afternoon around 1 o'clock, so um, trip is good. First time, first time out of the country for me, uh, which was nice, and um, the team made it made it feel pretty good. So, um, yeah, excited to be back and, and getting ready for uh, Australia here in about a week and a half. Yeah, nice. So, so did, did I catch that right? You've never actually been out of the country before. No, it was my my first time out of the states. Um, even though I did get my passport in 2020, you know, when I turned pro, just in case something like this did come up. So, yep. um, glad I did. And, Glad I was glad I was ready for something like this. Yeah, nice. Well, that's a pretty big first um, first trip out of the out of the country to go to a World Supercross event. So, and not not just for a holiday. It was actually paid. So, nice work. Yep. Yeah. No, it was super nice. Like, the whole team um, took care of me pretty pretty well. Yeah, definitely. So. So how did how did this ride with Club MX come about? Like, obviously, for for you in the in the US in the outdoors, you were on on a, a Cowie for the outdoors and then obviously the last round on a Honda, um, you know, and that was all privateer-based, I believe. Whereabouts does this setup come from? Did they call you? Do you call them? How do you get on Club MX for the World Supercross Series? Yeah, so I finished up with the, uh, the outdoor series at Paula. Um, wasn't even planning on doing that, but uh, DMP for asked if he had a bike. He said, yeah, so I decided to, to go out there, wing it, had a really good result, best of the year. So I think that helped a little bit. And then um, got myself a, uh, a Honda 250, was, you know, getting ready to do the, the local money races like Swan Pro Challenge and, you know, a couple of others. And um, was actually driving out to get my suspension set up when uh, Mike Bonacci at Club MX gave me a call and asked if I wanted to, to ride the 450 for World Supercross this year. And I mean, really, really hard to turn that down. So, um, yeah, I think that was like a, a Wednesday or Thursday and uh, flew out on Sunday. And so how many weeks from the first round was that that you got that call? Are we talking like two, three, four? Where, whereabouts were we? So just wondering about prep time for you on all this side of things. Um, I believe I got the call on like the 9th of September or something. Okay. Yep. Or so just over I, a month. Been, you know that week. Yeah. So I actually got quite a bit of prep time um, on the bike, three and a half, four weeks of riding. So um, I think that was that was super helpful for sure. I know a lot of guys 
that um, kind of got the calls late, didn't get much prep time. So, yeah, obviously, that and they, nice. a lot of them were changing bike brands too, from you know just to get a ride in it too. So you know that would have been a lot harder, not having much time on a on an unfamiliar brand as yeah, well. At exactly. least you got a decent amount of time to get get comfortable. Yeah, like uh, Henry Miller got the uh, the call from Rick Ware Racing the <laughs> the weekend before, so he didn't get any time on the bike. Yeah, that would be tough. So, so yeah, yeah. So that like for obviously sure. we're saying here like about four weeks say for for prep time. Like you're saying that's a long time, but like what are you able to focus on in that four weeks other than you know just getting comfortable on on the bike? Are you doing much physical prep in that time um, other than obviously riding the laps, or, or what's the focus in that four weeks? I don't think that's a long time. You, you, we consider pre seasons, you know, normally before before Anaheim, you're sort of talking like an eight or longer week period that you're getting ready. Um, but maybe not for you as a privateer previously. I, I don't know. What is this? How was this prep for you? Um, so, I mean, it's not really a, a whole lot of time. Um, like I came into the, the summer off an injury and got on a new bike. So I didn't, I didn't have much time. I think I had three or four days on the bike before the first race and then drove to every race. So there wasn't a whole lot of off the bike training or on the bike training through the, through the summer Mm -hmm. so most of most of the riding i was doing was through racing yeah and then so that's kind of where the most of my in shape came from not really from the gym or practice just from racing so um you know once i got here they asked me if i wanted to to get started on outdoors or supercross you know since it was a new bike and, and everything like that and been riding outdoors and i just I decided to just hop on Supercross day one just to get comfortable, which I've only ridden the 450 on Supercross once, and it didn't go that well. So <laughs> it was a little bit of a risk, but um, I knew I needed to get comfortable and get comfortable pretty fast. So took that risk, and you know, I think it took two or three days to get comfortable and, and get everything down and you know get up to speed. Yeah. And after that, I think – I mean, we had a pretty good idea of what the uh, what the night program was going to look like. So most of the riding we did was based around the uh, the main event moto format. So you're mimicking that most days at the track then, I gather, like in terms of that short turnaround, short burst of effort? Yeah, so we pretty much started off like, I think, like 2-2-4 for sprints, you know. And then we, we built up every day from there on how long the sprints were okay and i think by the by the last week we we ended up on um the 8 8 12 format yep but we we figured there was going to be a little bit more time between the races i think i think we were kind of prepping for seven or eight minutes so the uh the four minutes that we did have at the race was uh, a little bit of a surprise but was uh, that was that information not really um you know portrayed to the teams correctly or were you guys just assuming that they would have you know a little bit of delay in terms of like TV getting from an ad or or, or you know that there'd, there'd be riders dragging off the track sort of slowly before that you know they couldn't get everybody to the gate in time was that what you guys were sort of banking on or you just didn't get the right information from the from the organizers to begin with? I'm honestly not sure to be honest. Okay, um, yeah. I was just going. I was just going based off of what you know the what I was told when I got here and kind of what we were training for, yep. like I said. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and maybe that was some the decision they made 
you know, they could have sent out that information and um, came together and discussed something else. And uh, that's that's what they came up with. Because when we got the schedule at the race, you know, it showed um, like the time gap between each race. And it was like, you know, let's say 750 was main one for us. Yeah. And main two started at 758. And it was eight laps. So. <clears throat> Yeah, you start doing the math and it's not if, not much time there, is there? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if the, the time between the races was planned or if it's something that they just kind of went off based off, you know, how long it took the riders to get in the gate and and whatnot. So okay. um, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes for, for Melbourne and if they make any changes or if they, uh, they kind of keep the format they had for this first one. Yeah, I'm curious because and seeing as we're on that topic with the with the the format, it was one of those things that a lot of people have spoken about. And and for me, watching it, I was like, geez, this is over before it even you know it's just started and it's over already. Um, and and we obviously had a little chat on Twitter back and forth about some of the options that we might be able to you know implement to change things. But I don't think we, neither of us really came up with a good outcome there. But for you as a rider, what do you just what do you see needs to happen in this format because it was you know, bang, 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 and it was done. Yeah, so I haven't watched the uh, the broadcast any, so I don't have much input in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a rider, like, I think the, the night program itself is good. Um, the racing's, you know, quick. There's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, so we got the, we got to watch all three mains from, from the stands, um for the, the 450 guys did yeah for the sx2 like, class you got to see it all yeah so like like we weren't you know, on the line or in staging or anything we got to watch the racing before us mm-hmm. and then we picked our gates and and then we went back and got our you know helmets and bikes and whatever um so we got to see kind of how it played out and, and what it looked like and i mean I, when i was sitting there watching it I, my heart was racing and i was <laughs> that was pretty um pretty nervous about the, the race I had coming up so I think like I said the format itself was was really cool and I think from a fan's perspective it was it was good for them um but I also think that maybe it was a little too fast not necessarily the the laps or the or the race time just the the lack of break in between the in the races for the the teams the riders the production you know everybody yeah, I think like from what you're you're saying there as the rider too, in sitting in the stands, I think that'd probably be um, that format would be fantastic if you're just purely watching from the stand point of view because there'd be no lag time in the stadium, like there'd be no gap between the races. You know, it's just continuously going. But when you're sitting there at home watching it on the TV, as I was in this instance from from the Cardiff round, it it seemed like there wasn't enough time for the the TV crew to actually do any sort of production between time to, you know, do any, any replays of the, of the race or the crashes that happen in, in the first race or, or even comment, you know, do an interview properly with the race winner from that one. Like you got maybe a sentence from them while they're trying to put the whole shot device or something on the gate. And it, it just seemed like that was super rushed and, and you could get more out of it and be more entertaining from a TV point of view. But we're obviously got to look at this as, a live event and a TV event and a, and a, and how the riders can approach all this as well. So it's difficult. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think while we were watching the 250 main, me and, uh, Cade had the, the stopwatch out and 
from the time first place hit the finish line to when the gate was dropped was four to four and a half minutes. So, you know, if you take a guy that didn't get lapped but was, you know, close to the leaders, mm. um, so he gets another 45 seconds around the track. Yeah, so he's in, he's, he's yeah, in the three-minute mark somewhere, so. Yeah, so he gets in the gate and, you know, he's taking his goggles off and they got the two-minute board up, up which, um, I mean – you know, that's just something that that's going to happen. If When you're the last guy off the track, you're going to get the least amount of time to get ready. But two minutes is, is not a lot for um, high-intensity racing like that. So I think just extending that a little bit, just give everyone a little bit of time to prepare. And I think it will help the racing, for one, and it'll help the, the production and, and, you know, keep people in, informed a little bit better. But I do one thing I do like about the the schedule in the current program is how quick it gets done. Like I feel like a lot of series, you know, they drag out a little bit and they get done really late. Um, so I think that's that's one thing that that they did really well. Was that? Do you think that's in part because maybe the day itself isn't as long because you're not having like all the the A, B, and C qualifying groups to get through as well? So you only got you know, one qualifying group for each thing and then you're into the night program sort of thing? Like, do you think that's part of it? Oh, yeah, that for sure is a huge part of it. You know, you got two groups of 11 guys and 250, two groups of 11 guys and 450, and they each get two practices, and then you got heat races for everyone, and there's no LCQ. This, and they got So they got the Super Bowl, which, you know, doesn't take a whole lot of time, and then, you know, the main events go pretty quickly, so... Um, yeah, I mean, for, for the system they have, you know, mm. I think it works out really well. Yeah, definitely. That, I think that side of things is probably a massive positive for you guys. You're probably not just sitting around as long between, you know, waiting for everything, getting, <laughs> getting nervous or having to, having to warm up and can cool down as many times in the day as well from a, you know, physical prep point of view as well. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't drag on, you know, from six o'clock to, to 10 o'clock. It's, yeah it's pretty quick yeah definitely uh that's look i think there's obviously positives in all of this it's just got to be critiqued a little bit to to make it work better around all aspects and i think that's sort of where where we'll where i was coming from initially with some of the comments on on twitter when we, when we had that back forth but it's which one's the right one i don't know but i'm sure they'll uh, there'll be some adaptions come melbourne in some form for you guys whether it's the time between races is set to five minutes or something or or what it is, but I'm sh- I'm sure there'll be something that's different about it, and it'll be hopefully an improvement on in in it from from that aspect, and not just an improvement for one group, but hopefully for all. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you know because this is a new series, we'll see things you know either get better or get worse just as they play around with it and um, as the series evolves, and you know they they find what what works best, but. I think a lot of people, you know, need to realize that this is a new series and there are going to be things that don't work right now, but it is racing. So let's enjoy it while we got it. Yeah. And look, you, you enjoyed the, the event itself in general, didn't you? Like it wasn't like you're never going back or anything. So it's a positive in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more rides for, for guys, you know, like I know people kind of are like, Oh, you know, all the vets are coming out, but, um, and I mean, most of my team is over 25 and I'm 21 now. So, I mean, there are younger guys that are in the series. So I think it's, 
it is good overall for the sport. Yeah, I think that comment but on the more v- racing. Yeah, the the more racing is awesome, but I think the comment on like the vet older guys coming back out, I think purely was just down to contract availabilities this year. You know, like everyone was a bit tied up and didn't know that when they were making deals a year or two ago. So, I think next year might be a, a bit different picture on that side of things. Yeah, and I mean, like, you got you have to get guys that people know of to race. Yeah. You know, like the Chad Reeds and the Roxons and the Tomacs and you know, you can't have people that nobody knows of. Like, not to, you know, be negative, but like you can't have a bunch of me's out there. <laughs> it'd be it'd be it'd be cool if, if, you know, guys in my position, you know, could fill all twenty two spots in a class, but they also have to, to bring in um a crowd and mm. and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you have to you have to have guys that, that people know of. So yeah. sometimes that is the, the older guys like Seeley coming back and, and Reed coming back and, and stuff like that. Yeah, unfortunately Grant Harlan probably isn't selling the extra ten thousand tickets to the stadium um versus Chad exactly. Reed. So yeah. Exactly. At least at this point in your career. Maybe in a couple of years' time that might change. Let's let's hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and and this is a good good opportunity for me to to get my name out there for the fans. You know whether whether you know I I do well or not. You know they're gonna see my name and um hopefully see it see it more in the next next coming years. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so look, let's switch gears a little bit here. Like with the with these events being international, as we sort of you know you touched on, this was the first time out of the country. How are you dealing with the extra travel? Like, obviously, from an AMA point of view, you're only really changing a couple of hours from one coast to the other in terms of time zones. You, you know, your flights are probably all done within a couple of hours to get, you know, anywhere or you drive to events. How are you approaching this travel aspect? You know, now the flight from you're at Club MX at the moment, isn't it? So you're going to have to go across the country to LA, I gather, and then from LA 14 hours down to, to Melbourne for the next round. How are you approaching that extra travel requirement for for all this? Yeah, so for um, for Wales, we we had like a I don't know ten o'clock flight out of Charlotte, um, ten p.m. That is. Yep. And we got there eleven eleven to noon. Um, and I I'm pretty good about sleeping, so I was able to sleep the whole way, or at least you know five six hours of it. So yep. when I got there. Wednesday, I, I didn't really have much jet lag. I, I just, you know, I kind of woke up and, you know, it's it's morning. So, um, I was I was pretty fortunate about that, not having too much jet lag mm-hmm. for for the week. And um, we flew we flew out pretty early Sunday morning. And I stayed awake most of the flight. I, I think I napped a little bit, but you know, got back to to Charlotte at one o'clock and. By the time it was nighttime, you know, I was I was ready for bed. So you're good to go. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the uh, the flight times we had for that were were good and worked out well for me. And um, I'm not exactly sure what time we fly out from from Charlotte for for Melbourne, but um, we do most of us go from Charlotte to LA, mm-hmm. LA to Brisbane, I think, and then Brisbane to to Melbourne. Um, oh, you got a connecting there. Yes, and I know a couple of guys go from Charlotte to Dallas and then Dallas to Australia, which is kind of strange, but hmm. <clears throat> they all get there, so. Yeah, yeah. So how many days, like, what? when are you actually 
getting into the country? Like, are you a day or two out? Like, and you've got time to get over the jet lag, or are you like really close to the event, and you know you, you're not having much much relaxing time before you've got to perform? Yeah. So with with the UK, we we flew out on Tuesday night and got there Wednesday, and um, for Australia, we fly out Monday at some time and get there Wednesday. So okay, um, we got what is it like four four days to to kind of get adjusted and um use the time so i think we we get plenty of time yeah and and i gather they um the world supercross guys have got you doing some of the touristy promotion things as per the coverage that i saw you guys at a castle or something on the tv so it's not like it's a too strenuous a day when you when you are on those few days before the race i gather yeah no luckily luckily the uh the couple days before um practice and racing is pretty relaxing and just you know getting the the, to see the the country a little bit and um yeah just relax well i'm sure i'm sure they're gonna be filling you with kangaroo pitches um for the australian round so just watch out for all the kangaroos um you know stuff coming up i'm sure that's what they'll have you do on it yeah hopefully hopefully they aren't too aggressive Um, (laughs) i've I've heard a little bit of mixed reviews on that and (laughs) Uh, honestly I'm, I'm just i'm looking forward to the coffee I, I heard it's it's some of the best so i'm not a coffee drinker so i can't comment on it so you'll have oh, to you'll man. have to let me know oh, for sure man. if it is if it's any better or not i'm not on that i'm not on that oh, program man. i'll let you know yeah right. i'll awesome. let you know for sure awesome well so what about the the like this is obviously a very short pilot series for the world supercross this year it's two rounds how's the motivation for you from you've done one round You've only got one left. Is it hard to sort of, you know, be excited about it? Or are you just, I'm here, I'm getting my name out there and it's a race and I'm going to give it 100% every time and, you, and you're fully drive, driven to do it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I think I'm in a position where I, you know, I need to be getting results. I can't show up and and just, you know, wherever I get is whatever I get, you know, not too worried about it. You know, I, I'm looking to, you know, get my name out there more and, and get some results on the table. So, I mean, the, the motivation is there to, to get good results and perform. And I mean, even then, um, being, this is the first time I've raced supercross on a 450, um, get as much experience with it as I can for, um, this upcoming AMA supercross series and, um, possibly outdoors next year or world supercross if, if something else comes up. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, like I said, getting results and getting experience racing these guys. Yeah, definitely. No, um, it's just, I'm curious, it's one of those things, like I didn't know if, you know, you'd, you'd get perked up for the first round, but then if you, you know, having to travel all that way and not being able to really do too much between the two rounds, whether the motivation would be there because it's already final round sort of thing, you know, it's it's hard to sort of see how, how you could be really pushing for it the whole time, but you know you've got a, a viewpoint to try and make something out of it for for next year, which is awesome. Yes, like with it being a two race series, um, it's it's hard to view it as a series from like a rider's perspective. Like you know, I'm not in a championship battle for it, mm. um, so it's really just like a you know, I have a race, and the better I do, the more I make. So. Um, yeah, the, like I said, yeah, the better I do, the more I make. So the, that's the, the motivation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So between these two rounds, are you getting on the bike much? What, how many days are you going to have? Like you said, you're flying out Monday. Um, you know, today's, what, Tuesday your time. Um, so you've got yeah. six days now. How many times are you getting to ride? So the current plan is um, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, yep. So you are going to cram in a few extra, like four days. That's a fair amount. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's kind of what a typical week has been been here. Um which we normally do like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Um, you know, two days on, one day off, two days on. Um, I think I would have rather liked to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, just to have Sunday off to, you know, kind of get everything ready to go. Yeah. But, um, this is you know this is what we we got going on. So it's the plan. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward. To it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you, with the bikes between rounds, like were you comfortable enough at that first round and, you know, don't need to make changes as such or are you even able to make too many changes given the bikes are crated up between rounds and sent to the next location? I gather obviously parts and stuff are a little bit limited what you've got there. What's that side of things like for you guys or even are you even worried about that because you're not, the bike's comfortable and perfect and you're not touching it? Yeah, I mean the bike's been pretty good since I got here. I haven't made too many changes. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of it's just trying to get comfortable with it, and um, the bike was pretty pretty good when I got it. So um, I've tried not to make too many changes, and I think I made a you know a couple clears here and there when I was at the race, and um, may play around with that a little bit while I'm here, but there won't be there won't be too many changes, nothing internally. Just okay, clickers. But even if you wanted to, would it be you know difficult in this issue, in this situation with the bikes and stuff and the parts availability? Like you don't just have the, the the big semi you know there with full of a drawer full of shims and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean if if I were to make a change, um, it probably would have been something I had to to make known on Saturday so we could get it in motion. Yeah. Either to to try it here this week and travel with it to the race or, you know, have it done and, and ready to go for the race and before I even rode it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think at least for me personally, I don't think a change internally to the, um, the valving or anything like that is a possibility, but, um, maybe for other guys or, or, um, other teams, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's just a different scenario for everybody to deal with now, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, as much as the the series is is learning, you know, with the the races and everything like that, the the teams are also learning with um, what they can get away with bringing to the races in the crates, and <laughs> um, you know what they can do during the week to get ready for the next one. So yeah, definitely. I think I think I think it's a good learning learning uh, platform for everyone right now. Yeah, and I was just thinking too, as you're saying that, like what you might be able to travel with in your bag might be different from one country to another. Like obviously customs at different places and, you know, security officers in, in different countries are going to look at look at shocks and suspension parts and stuff a li- di- bit differently from one place to another. So it might not work so easily, you know, you might be able to take it to Cardiff but not to Melbourne sort of thing. So Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a pretty big deal about um, the bikes being dirty from Cardiff to, to Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. like you're not allowed to bring the dirt from 
from there to, to Australia? Yeah, Australian customs, because obviously we're an, we're an island as such, a massive island, but we're an island. We, we have pretty big, um, you know, biohazard sort of custom re- regulations. So any dirts and, you know, um, grime and stuff on, on anything, whether it's your boots, your helmet, your bike, they, they, they want to quarantine it, you know, and it could be two weeks, it could be longer that they keep it for. So if it turns up dirty, it's not coming out. So you guys probably would have had to do a massive cleanup job on all of the parts so that, you know, when they get inspected at, at customs in, in Melbourne somewhere that they actually get through, you know, otherwise you might end up with, a, with not having a bike because it's in quarantine for two weeks, you know, so. Yeah, so I know we we had started loading up bikes and, um, you know, they came by and told us that and we didn't want to wash because, I mean, wash the bike and throw it in a crate while it's still wet. Is, yeah. It's just a recipe for bad news. So, you know, we're sitting there like wiping, wiping all the, the dirt and the stains off and, you know, wiping the wheels down with a brush and you know doing whatever we can to, to get the bikes clean enough to to make it through customs so yeah well make sure so i don't know if like are that, you carrying your, is your gear in um in the crates with the bikes or are you bringing your gear yourself in your in your you know your luggage as such yeah so i got i pretty much got here like right when the crates were leaving so i wasn't able to throw you know helmets or yeah. boots or anything like that on the crate so i'm traveling with all that well, and I I keep them clean anyway. Cause I was gonna I say like to have them dirty in the gear bag, but yeah, make sure for Melbourne that it, they're they're really Mickey Mouse clean because they'll look at them funny. And make sure you declare that you've got you know um, products that may contain soil on your little slip that you get when you're coming into the country. And then and then they'll just tick it off when you say, oh, it's just a it's just some bike shoes, and that's all you've got to say. And they'll be like, tick, <laughs> yep, walk straight through this door over here. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> done it a yeah, few wow, times now yeah yeah they check they do check a lot you know and if you bring you know weird foods and stuff they'll they'll do that too but yeah the dirt the dirt thing is a difficult thing for us as dirt bike riders to, to, to pass the quarantine especially with a short turnaround with as to when you need the stuff so just make sure it's clean <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully hopefully all the teams are all good yeah definitely Got everything clean enough could make for an interesting storyline but you know such and such doesn't have a bike for this week <laughs> Yeah, five five teams don't have motorcycles to race. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're uh, cancelling. We <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what about yourself? What's the plans? Obviously, this race is the last one for this series. And this this one coming up for Melbourne. Have you got plans in place for twenty twenty three AMA rounds or any other international races between now and and January? What's what's got? Have you got anything signed? Basically, um, nothing signed. Um, pretty much working on on getting my own deal going for for 23 um okay besides this race i don't think there's going to be any more racing for me before um anaheim okay um and pretty much just planning to do 450 supercross all 17 that's that's the goal okay yep nice He's easier easier said than done um, <laughs> it's a long series and something i haven't done before so um especially on the 450 so it'll be it'll be a learning experience and um just take it week week by week and just keep getting better and and then like you mentioned before trying to set up something world supercross wise is that even on the topics yet or or a team's not even at that stage for for what's going on because the 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 schedules and stuff aren't set as such yet yeah i'm not too sure what 
what's going on for World Supercross for next year. Um, I'm just pretty pretty lucky. I got got the opportunity that I did for this year. So mm-hmm. I think um, have a have a good race at, at Melbourne will help a lot for that, and then um, just make main events for for Supercross and AMA and. Um, I'm sure something will open open up, and if not, we'll we'll go racing outdoors in the summer. Just I'm I'm more of an outdoor guy myself anyway. I I do enjoy the summer, but um, the Supercross is where it's at. So, so you you take I'm, an opportunity. I'm open for whatever. Yeah, you're looking for an opportunity. If there's one there, you take it. So for World Supercross, absolutely. Yeah, nice, nice. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, look, I think that's all the questions I got for you at the moment, but I appreciate you jumping on and, and I'm really glad to see you out there at those World Supercross rounds with the Club MX guys. Um, it's been awesome having you on the Always Moto podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for your time. Yep. Thanks for sticking around, guys and girls. That was a great interview there with Grant Harlan. I enjoyed that chat with him. He's a very personable guy. Uh, and just trying to make a good effort for this World Supercross series to you know help get his name out and about. And he had some good information there about how he's dealing with the short series um, and flights and stuff like that. So appreciate Grant coming on. Um, we'll try and get another rider after this final round and see what they have to say about the series and how it's gone for them and what they plan to do next year for the training aspects of it as well. So, all right. Um, one more thing that we had mentioned that we ha- hadn't really come across um, the dirt at this series was a bit of an interesting one for Cardiff. Uh, obviously, it might be new dirt or it might be from an old event from a different promoter that they've had to reuse, but there was clearly something wrong with it. One, it was slick, slick as shit, uh, and two, it was sharp as shit because there was plenty of nails sticking out that ended up with a buttload of punches. Uh, interesting to note that one team had three punches in one team. You know, that's one each buddy rider, basically. And when we're talking to them... For you guys at home that don't realize and just go, oh, why aren't they running a moose so they can't get a flat? They made an interesting point, very interesting point that I hadn't actually thought of in this instance because I haven't ridden Supercross, so I didn't know. But I'm a I'm a perennial moose user. I do off-road racing, and I thought there's nothing wrong with mooses. They're the best thing since sliced bread. But in a Supercross setting, the team told me that they are no good in a whoop section because the extra foam, the foam, you know, will actually change the characteristics and behavior of the bike across that whoop set so they can't or they don't want to use them and in this instance they they you know didn't even have them with them because they weren't something that they foreseeing as needing but also they didn't want to use so even the fact that when they got there and realized there was lots of nails in the in the soil they couldn't change because they'd only have so many options in the crates that they travel with for these bikes and parts so Interesting point there we thought we'd just throw in there at the end before we closed out the show. Um, didn't want to forget that important aspect there for you guys and girls at home. So, But that's it, guys and girls. Great show this week. Thanks for listening. Um, hope you got a lot of insight into this one. I, I put a bit of effort into this and we got some new contacts out of it. We've reached out to all the teams. Not every one of them has got back to us, but most of them have. Uh, and it's fantastic to be able to bring you this insight. I hope you enjoyed it. So, and just a reminder too, check out, if you haven't already, check out WSX.TV to see how you and your area or your region can watch the events uh, and sign up if you need to. So make sure you do that. But if you can't watch it, we will have an update for you, just like we did for Cardiff. We'll have one just after Melbourne round, hopefully with some better insights as well. Or I shouldn't say better, I should say even more insights from the round uh, to keep you guys up to date. 
So thanks for listening. Don't forget to send us those t-shirt orders. It's got to keep out. We've got to keep this show on the road. So send us the t-shirt orders so we can keep getting some funds in to support what we're doing. Hopefully you like us and you know buy a shirt from us. Follow us on social media too to keep up to date with any of the info that we find out. Not everything comes into the shows because it won't be at a timely point. But as soon as we find it out, we'll pop it up a post on our social media. So follow Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. If your podcast app allows, leave us a rating. It helps us stay relevant and up on the search, uh, the search finding aspects of those podcast um, apps. So it's important for us. So please do that. Don't forget to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. We do all these emergency department segments over there in written form. We also do product reviews and bike reviews over there on fullnoise.com.au as well. So check out that site, please. That's it for this week. That's it for this show. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you right here in an emergency department deep in the clinic with some strapping tape. See you later, guys and girls.